Hi, this is W3RAZ, Joel McLaughlin, a.k.a. Gorkin from the Linux Link Tech Show, live at the High Linux Fest 2009, and you're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. Welcome back to Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, brand new episode for a brand new year. Depending on when we're out, we either the last show of the year or the first show of the year. But we 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 got a brand new show for you. My name is Richard KB5JBV, and I'm one of the uh, presenters of this extravaganza, this cavalcade of horrors. What do you write horrors down for? Anyway, uh, let me introduce not only my partner in crime, Russ. K5TUX. Say hello, Russ. Hello, hello, hello. And sorry to everybody in the chat room for my falling asleep. Uh, it happens sometimes. Just so you know, uh, I don't want to step on Richard's toes here, but it looks like based on the calendar, this will actually be the last episode of the year. It should come out on the 29th, assuming I don't fall asleep during the editing between now and then. We, we will have one more episode for 2009, and then we've got that big one coming up on... Uh, when we record on January 5th, but Richard has one more, one more, uh, MC to introduce for the night. So I'll send it back to him. Uh, MC? No, we're going to put him in charge and we're going to go to breakfast. Well, let me present to y'all. You know, we've been talking about, we added, added new staff. There's Bill K9WKA. Bill has been with us before, but y'all may not remember him. Say hello to everybody, Bill. Good evening, everyone. Pleasure to be back. And we just got him here because he sounds good. Because we're going to get him talking, and then we're going to leave. <laughs> this could be a very short show. <laughs> Bill knows more about amateur radio than Russ and I have forgotten together. Or, no, or ever knew to begin with. The test. <laughs> <laughs> and in the chat room, along with Bill and some guy named Hamshack Linux and RF Podcast, we have KC9QYB, VE4KEH, W6, no, I done misplaced it. It's here somewhere. I think it was an N6, wasn't it? Where'd it go? K6NMV. Oh, yeah, K6NMV. There it is. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, and Walt, W-N-3-L-I-F. We are also joined by a handful of unidentified U-streamers. Seven, 78242 is KB3-M-M-Y. Yes, Russ is drinking Windex. That's okay. <laughs> oh, and to prove that for those of people in the audience, see? It was it's my glass of Windex. It was Drano last week. Drano's good because it's clear and no one can tell what it is. No wonder he sleeps all the time, huh? Yeah. 
We have lost our minds. Okay, let's uh, let's try and get back on track, folks. Okay, we've said hello to everybody, and uh, I think we probably need to save ourselves and move to some feedback. So, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start, Russ? Oh, hey, I'll go. I'll start since you like to monopolize things. We'll have at it. Let me go with the first one I've got, which was the first one that you got. And that is an email from Walter, who happens to be in the chat room. Hi, Walter, in the chat room. We're going to read your email right now, or I am. It says, hey, Russ and Richard, maybe we should call you the R&R guys. Richard, do you know what R&R is, or am I going to have to have him explain? Is that rest and relaxation? Is that uh, research and... I don't know. He's in the chat room, so I'll wait for the response to that. Anyway... Found the podcast a while ago now and have finally gotten through the back issues. Tonight was the first time I actually had a chance to listen live, and it is better than the podcast. No, it's not better than the podcast. It is the podcast. So anyway, I can watch Richard Wander and gesticulate live. Who could ask for better entertainment? So, Richard, you want to start wandering and gesticulating while I read the rest of this? That's good, because when I gesticulate in public, I get arrested. <laughs> Uh, indecent gesticulation, yes. Anyway, you guys have kept the miles going by quickly on many a business trip, and the info on Linux is first rate. Ooh, if he only knew. Rest and recuperation, relaxation, and so on, so says Walter. All right. Yeah, that's because I use my gesticles on there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, weren't you Satan's left gesticle on the last one? Mm, that's me. That's you, right. Ask, ask my uncle. <laughs> I don't know your uncle. Anyway, you actually got me going and finally interfaced my new FT450 to the Mint Linux system. Trying various programs and not completely decided on which I like best, but that is half the fun. I was not going to interface to a Microsoft Windows system, but since Linux in the Hamshack came along, I found... S it says I was not going to, but I think you meant I was going to. So let me try that again. I was going to interface to a Microsoft Windows system, but since Linux in, Linux in the Hamshack came along, I found so many good things in Linux for hams that the fun is back. Are you gesticulating over there? No, I was turning Japanese. Uh, I see. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm almost through this one. Hang on. Mint Linux is great, but a little overprotective. I may just go to Ubuntu and go that route. Well, uh, let me tell you... Walter, that Mint is just Ubuntu with a different cover. So if you think Mint is restrictive, Ubuntu is going to be restrictive as well. If you want unrestrictive, go straight to Debian. Some personal history on my side. I live in northeastern Pennsylvania, been licensed since 1967. I've worked in the computer industry since 1970. My first personal computer was an IBM 1130. By the way, to me, IBM was the first evil empire. Well... They've kind of gone out of the evil empire phase because there are bigger and uglier corporations these days than IBM. Uh, I have been involved in the handshake. Yes. Yes, I, I do predict. Did I not predict World Takeover by 2014? I think I did. Anyway. Yeah. I have been involved with Linux since it was first available, and downloading the individual pieces and compiling and linking them was a week-long adventure. I am currently at CISSP and work as a security consultant for a large computer company that is best known for its printers. Hmm. wonder who that could be. Keep up the good work. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm learning stuff at the same time. 7-3. Regards. W-T, which would be Walter. W-N-3-L-I-F. Thank you very much, Walter, for that email, that glowing praise that... 
made me blush, and I think Richard did too. But it's always nice to hear that we're doing something right, even if the information is completely wrong. So what do you have to say about that? Thank you all for writing in, and uh, yeah, uh, I have don't know because I've lost my mind. But it does answer the question that is a real WN, I think. And I was just sitting here thinking to myself, with all these gesticles and roots, we're going to have to shut this show down for, or at least get it censored. It'll be properly censored, don't worry. Okay, because we don't want our gesticles hanging out. Anyway, thank you, Walter, for uh, for writing in. And <laughs> uh, I was so busy messing with Russ that I probably need to read it again. So what else you got, Russ? <laughs> well, I'm not going to do donations right now, so you can go ahead and read the next one. Oh, I get to read one. Oh. You always goody. get to read them. Don't give me that. Oh, well. Sorry, did I sound pissed off? I'm not pissed off. (laughs) Paul in the chat room, just uh, don't worry about it. Now, where where were we? You were going to read. You're going to read feedback. (laughs) All righty, and our next one comes from Terry KV6M, and I picked this one because it's short, and I can put it right back on Russ. Uh, It says, "I tried to delete this last post in this thread." And he gives the URL and says, because it is a link spam, I still, it still looks like it is there to me though. Maybe I don't have delete permissions. Thought this had a little more detail to it, but when you look at it, it's, uh, the forums over at Black Sparrow Media. We've, uh, been deciding as we're coming up on the first of the year, whether we're going to let the forums go over at Black Sparrow Media or not. Uh, apparently, uh, they're starting to get some, uh, some of the, some spam is starting to slip through over there and that kind of stuff. I did go over there and delete it. When, uh, I find out about these, I get them out of the way so y'all won't be hassled with them. However, uh, if y'all can shoot me an email, if you see something like this, let me know and we will get it out of there just as quick as we can. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Terry, for letting, letting me know about it. Uh, we will see what we can do about it. And I really don't think, uh, unless Russ has got something major to, to throw in on that one. What you got, Russ? I got nothing. Cause you know what I was doing? Not listening. Ah, well, I do that from time to time. Okay. So the next one we've got is from Bob V3SRE and Bob writes. Now, see, you, uh, were, you said you were going to throw it back to me, but you're going right on and reading. Well, you said you didn't have nothing. I have what you got. Well, then read the damn book. <laughs> I don't want to read the damn thing. You read it. Holy cow. All right. <laughs> Next one's from Bob, V3SRE. Uh, great to find your podcast. I'm going to be catching up on the Back Issue podcast. Have been a GNU Linux user, and I say GNU in favor of my friends over at Going Linux. GNU Linux user for a number of years and an active ham though inactive for the last few years hoping to reactivate this spring noticed a new contest logging program for GNU Linux have been watching and waiting for some good contest logging software about the last reason I can think of for keeping a Windows box around and that is Bob VE3SRE well Bob thank you for writing in we always enjoy getting feedback. It would be nice if you told us what the logging program was, because then we could talk about it 
on GNU Linux and the Ham Shack. GNU Linux and Ham Shack. It, it will make your teeth whiter, your breath smell fresher, and your gesticles go exactly where they need to be. So what do you have on that, Russ? I would like to know what that piece of software is as well, and I would like to maybe get Bob VE3SRE onto the program because I don't know if we have any other contesters in our audience, but I would like to talk to a contester because that's one of the things that I have not participated in not counting field day. And uh, I'd like to hear from uh, from someone who does contesting, you know, find out what they like about it, what's what the attraction is and all that good stuff. And it sounds like, while he's not an active ham right this second, uh, when he is an active ham, he's a contester. And I'd, I'd like to, to uh, pick his brain upon that topic. Back to you. Well, there you go. And, um, yeah, in fact, that's something you, you, all of you can help us out with. Uh, those of you who've been hanging back on the, uh, hanging back on the feedback, uh, let us know. Cause I know we got some contesters listening to us. You guys, y'all let us know what y'all are using, uh, how it's beneficial for you and that kind of stuff. Cause we would really like to hear about it. And, uh, we'll go over and check it out. If it works out for us, we might even do an episode on it. We might even drag you kicking and screaming in here, just like we did Bill, even though he's very, very quiet. So I've just about uh, uh, emptied my gesticle, and uh, Russ is going to have to pick up the rest of the email because I ain't got no more. Take it away, Russ. Well, I don't have a lot in the way of email feedback either. I did get some, quite a few Google alerts, actually. And I thought I'd gone through these to try and figure out if any of them were worth talking about, and it looks like uh, they're probably not. Did you get any that were worth mentioning? And did we uh, talk about my appearance on uh, Hacker Public Radio on this program? Well, yes, we did. We told everybody about it. Yeah, I think it was on this program. I don't know. Someone in the chat room will confirm or deny, I'm sure. It looks like we're going to be joined by Paul, KC9QYB of Teen Radio Journey, in just a moment. Okay, Russ, so what else do you have in the way of feedback? I've pretty much emptied my bin. It doesn't appear that any of these are worth uh, mentioning, any of these Google alerts that I have. One of them turned into a topic of discussion for the evening, but uh, I'll get to that. So I don't have anything else in the way of feedback. However, we did get a new donation. And this donation, a generous donation at that, is from Jim, W9GNG, Whiskey 9 Golf, November Golf. And he donated to our Send Linux in the Ham Shack to the Dayton Hamvention in 2010 fund. And we want to thank him very much for that. Uh, all of these donations currently are going straight into that fund. And I have a significant uh, matching contribution to make to that fund right now which I have not yet made and will probably have to wait until after Christmas at this point. But anyway, thank you very much for that donation. Uh, we're getting very close to be able to say that we are definitely going to be at the Hamvention. And it sounds like Richard has made some progress on getting his own self there. Is that true? Well, we're still in negotiations on that. I've uh, tracked down some uh, uh, information on what it's going to cost to get there and get things done. And... Uh, it is looking very promising, very promising. Uh, if they should ever pin down a date, then we will know for sure. We will know for sure. Uh, let me make a brief statement real quick. 
before we go too much further. In the past, I've heard some of the other uh, other podcasters on some of the Linux shows, and I know you guys listen to us too. Uh, say something about that uh, Linux shows don't normally take donations. Well, the one thing you need to be rest assured of is that amateur radio operators do. So it's the amateur radio side of the show that's taking the donations for Dayton because it's not even not even Ohio Linux Fest or Southeast Linux Fest or anything like that. So y'all don't worry about it, and we're going to move on. I said my bit. <laughs> yes, you did. I wasn't aware that it was bad form to ask for donations. Oh, they just don't normally do it on the Linux podcasts in general. I can understand the, that, but we, we are of dual purpose. And there you have it. And I just wanted to make sure that nobody was getting mad at us and stuff, because most of the Linux podcasters that listen to us are pretty good folks. So, with that, I guess uh, you got anything else? I have nothing else in the way of feedback, that's for sure, and I don't have any more donations unless uh, we can entice someone in the chat room to send us one, like, right now. Since I don't see that happening, I guess we probably need to move on. I did have this thing from the ARRL. I got this thing from uh, a member of a ham radio club that I am still a member of, even though I don't live in that area anymore. They sent me this thing, it was a publication on the ARRL website about legislation that is, uh, looks like it's about to pass. Uh, do you know about this? Senate Bill 1755? No, I really hadn't been paying too much attention to that. We've been drowning in Christmas stuff over here. It sounds like good news, so I just wanted to read the part that's uh, interesting. Let's see, here it is right here, it's in the first sentence. This is uh, Senate Bill, apparently 1755 otherwise known as the Amateur Radio Emergency Communications Enhancement Act of 2009, passed by the Senate and looks like it'll get passed in the House of Representatives. Senate Bill 1755 points out that there is a strong federal interest in the effective performance of amateur radio service stations and that performance must be given A, support at all levels of government, and B, protection against unreasonable regulation, and impediments to the provision of the valuable communications provided by such stations. And since we hear a lot of stuff about bandwidth, or not bandwidth, but frequency allocations kind of going the other way, uh, this sounds like something good coming out of the government related to amateur radio. Anyway, I just thought I would mention that. So you can uh, probably do a search on the org website or just check out uh, anything on Senate Bill 1755 if you're interested in this. Any comments from the peanut gallery? I'm sure Bill's got some comments on it, too. Uh, we really got their attention with Katrina and Rita and the shuttle recovery and several other things, but uh, we really got their attention with Katrina. They've been... Uh, passing through bills that enhance the service for the last few years and apparently they're going to keep doing so the dhs and uh, many other organizations really really saw we were uh, worth having around and they really are really interested in uh, having us work with them we have a FEMA staging area up north of here where they keep a a lot of a lot of the uh, equipment the mobile units and different stuff anyway up there in denton and uh, like i said congress has been made aware several government agencies have been made aware like i said we we it took us getting their attention we we were hiding in the background too long but now they've seen us so uh 
things are really going to get better and better. Uh, let's see what Bill got to say about this one. Well, I think uh, some of the clubs in the area have also been more active in public service events, and that also tends to shine a light on amateur radio and what it can do, uh, not only in emergencies, but in uh, just public service events. And that goes a long way to, to adding weight to these bills. There was a question uh, in the chat room from Ted about whether this is the one that talks about antenna restrictions. And from what I've seen on the web, this is the one that addresses uh, antenna restrictions, but I haven't actually read the bill, so I don't know what the provisions are mentioned in it. Well, I hope that it uh, does have some kind of wording in there for that. We've been depending on PRB1 so long, it's pretty much wore out, and most of the cities have rewritten code to uh, get around PRB1, you know, uh, change the uh, setbacks and that kind of stuff for antenna towers and stuff like that, so... Uh, it's nice to know that there's something else coming down the pike that may have fresh wording concerning antenna restrictions. Paul, anything to say on Senate Bill 1755, involved in politics at all? We were talking about it at our November club meeting, and what we were basically talking about is there's this thing in the bill with the enhancements, and um, if it gets passed... Um, the, it's possible that the government might be providing us with um, equipment and vehicles with equipment already in them um, to go out to disaster locations like after a hurricane. It, it would just assist us in providing emergency communications because we'd already have the stuff there. Vehicles that are already um, full on gas and um, I, I just I think it's a really good idea because um, it would definitely um, help assist us in getting out to the locations faster. Well, I, I really like the fact that uh, they're probably going to add add some more of that to it. You know, we've been uh, we've been working grants from DHS ever since uh, they uh, took notice. And uh, Ted reminds us in the chat room that that's going on. He uh, he says they were able to acquire $4,000 in uh, a situation where he's located. We be, we were able to levy enough grants to build a brand new EOC, or at least the amateur radio portion of the EOC here in the city or in the city of Mesquite, which is the next city over. These grants are also a big part of building out the uh, the digital communications and. Uh, D-Star systems here locally also. Anybody else? No, I'm, I'm the one who brought it up, and I'm, I was actually going to skip over it. I'm glad I didn't now because it fostered some great communication. Well, that's because we could get all these folks in here. You know, round tables are good. I'd rather have a square table. It's kind of like a pizza pie. <laughs> all right. Well, if we've beat 1755 into the ground, everyone can go look it up if they want to. It's out there, one of those government documents you know. Uh, we might be able to address it. Maybe we'll get some feedback on it for a future episode. But if we don't have anything else on it right now, we might be able to head for a break. Kent points out that uh, you read a blog recent, recently where the FCC indicated that hams should be involved in emergency communications. He, he's talking about the employment thing. There has been a, a commotion here lately about uh, uh, employees of uh, city governments and stuff being uh, Amateur radio operators also and operating the equipment at the EOC or out on uh, an incident and that kind of stuff. 
And uh, I'll tell you, quite frankly, you know, unfortunately, it does violate the rules because they are getting uh, getting paid for it. It's also affecting the hospitals and that kind of stuff because they had uh, had doctors and folks like that. But we could we could go on about this all night. We probably need to save this discussion for probably a future show where we can get more of y'all in here with us. All right, everybody, hang on for a little while. Richard's going to go get something, going to go get his IV hooked up, and I'm going to find something to to play while everybody uh, tries to do some zen relaxation. Are you okay, uh, Paul? Are you going to make it? Paul found his gesticles. Keep Keep both hands on the desk. Both hands on the desk. And if you have a mute button, use it. Anyway, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're glad that you awoke Way outside of that inside Joker didn't do it You got your own genetic talk show up there. You got your own fingerprint and your own blank stare. It's a ring, a bang, a zip, a thud. There's a hundred pinball tables having orgies in your head. And just when you find some quiet and you think you won the battle, there's a little baby playing with your death rattle. And oh my, my, oh my, my baby, no, you're not completely nuts. I know it's very noisy. It's your face against the spokes of the wheel where you poke. You head outside or that inside. Joker didn't do it. Oh, well, it felt so good and it felt so right. You bought a couple diamonds and you had a wedding night. You just don't understand it, it all started out so easy It's a many splendor thing, this procreation of the species It all started long ago, when nothing got distracted And a whole lot of accidental something got enacted Of course it came from nothing, we'll go back from where it came They should have worn a prophylactic for that first big bang And oh my, my, oh my, my baby If we're not completely nuts and we're all very crazy We keep tugging at the yoke, going for broke Way outside of that inside, joker didn't do and there's no punchline, we keep scratching our heads Bouncing through religions and bouncing through beds Bouncing off the walls of our planetary wards Sifting through the laughs where the last one's stored Oh, that little baby spits on your head 
pees in your face, shits in your bed, shakes that rattle, laughs till it chokes. So I think that little baby knows the inside joke. Oh my my, oh my my baby, no you're not completely nuts. Oh no, you're not crazy. We all do the backstroke, 'cause all our water broke right inside of that inside joke. Do 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 You didn't get it by getting in. I mean, if I'm not going too fast, but you didn't get the point, you got the shaft. Well, that's the way it goes. So roll that boat down the stream against the current. That's your own little moat. There's land in sight, so wiggle and wiggle overboard into the creek. We use that little pedal and oh, my, 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 baby, you're all completely nuts. But none of us are crazy. Keep tugging at the yoke, keep going for broke. Way outside of that end. And we're back. We're going to make a run at this, and uh, we've invited another another co-host on just so you could get your extra Linux goodness. He, We're going to talk about Whisper a little bit. And joining us right now is Kent, V4KEH, from, from the far northern land. Hello, Kent, and welcome aboard. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. And we still got Bill in here and, and Russ. Russ going to take us into, into a whisper discussion extraordinaire. Kick it off, Russ. All right. I'll do what I can. I personally don't know all that much about whisper because I only found out about it the other day. Whisper is actually the reading of an acronym, which is WSPR. I had a thing that explained what WSPR was, but it's not in front of me right now. So, Kent, if you want to give a quick rundown on WSPR, what it stands for. Okay, um, I'm reading from the WSPR website. It says, uh, WSPR implements a protocol designed for probing potential propagation. Oh, my goodness, i got to drink some of that blue fluid. Potential propagation paths with low-power transmissions. Normal transmissions carry a station's call sign, maidenhead grid locator, and transmitter power in DBM. Uh, the program can decode signals with si- signal-to-noise as low as minus 28 dB and a 2500 Hz bandwidth. And stations with Internet access can automatically upload their reception reports to a central database, which includes a mapping facility. And uh, it goes on and on, probably into a technical discussion as well. But uh, this is from the WSJT Whiskey Sierra Juliet Tango homepage. And if you just uh, use your favorite search engine and point it to WSJT or WSPR, I'm sure you'll find it without much uh, effort. All right, good deal. And I was looking at that too, but what I was uh, trying to find, the bit I was interested in, is what WSPR stands for. And I finally found it while you were talking. It stands for a weak signal propagation reporter. It turns out that this is written by a guy, a ham radio operator, K1JT. That's Joe, if I remember correctly, and I think I do. What WSPR, or Whisper, is for, basically, is it's uh, it, it kind of works like beacons. 
It's for propagation reporting, and it uses uh, low-power signal. Specifically, uh, I think it's most useful for QRPers who are interested in propagation reporting because the beacon nodes use very low power when they're transmitting whisper, uh, the whisper packets. Like Kent just said, there's only a couple bits of information in a whisper packet. There's three bits, basically. There's the station ID, there's the grid locator, and then there's the power of the beacon. And that's all that's transmitted. I had seen, uh, we got a Google alert that mentioned Linux in the Hamshack, and in it they talked about this protocol, and I'd never even heard of it before. So I went to check it out. And the reason I went to check it out is because uh, most of the applications that Joe has written are for Windows. However, he does have a Whisper client for Linux. If you go to his website, and I'll give you the uh, Whisper website here, and I'll read it out. It's a little bit long, but it'll be in the show notes. Right, Bill? Absolutely. All right. The the, uh, website is www.physics.princeton.edu slash pulsar slash k1jt, and that's all uppercase like a normal call sign, slash wspr.html. And that last bit's all lowercase. If you go there, there is a source code download. There is a Windows package download. And there is a Linux download, which conveniently is in a dev file, which works out great for most listeners of this show because we've been touting some versions of Debian, including Ubuntu and Mint. If you happen to use any of those, this is already prepackaged for you. So you can download the package. And if you just click on it, you should get a pop-up window for GDebbie. And if you do that, it will do all of the package resolution and everything for you and just install. I don't honestly remember if this thing gives you a menu icon or not. I don't think it did on my system. Yeah, I don't I don't think you got a desktop, or I'm sorry, a menu icon when you install this package. And another thing about the package is it doesn't install, it doesn't install in the traditional format. If you use GW to install it, or if you use dpackage-i from a from a terminal window, it will unfortunately install in the slash wspr all caps directory, which is just off the root. And this is probably uh, left over from uh, his uh, tendency to program in Windows, Joe's tendency to program in Windows, uh, leaving the application in the root directory. But that's where you'll find it: uh, slash wspr all caps. That's where the package will install all of the applications. So you actually have to go into a terminal, change directory to slash WSPR, and then run dot slash WSPR from there. Once you get through all of that, if you do start it up, it brings up two windows when you start it up initially. And I'm using WSPR version 2.0, by the way. And I'm doing this on a 32-bit system. I understand that there have been some problems with it crashing under 64-bit systems. However, I haven't experienced that. If you're running this on a 64-bit system, you may be having you may have problems with it. On 32-bit, it works fine. Basically, you need uh, you know some sort of data interface with your radio, cat cable or rig blaster or something, so that you have digital uh, data interface. When you start it up, you get two windows. The first one is the standard window, and the second one is a pop-up window asking you for station information. Basically, the things you need to input here are the things that go into the Whisper packet, including your station call sign, your grid square, 
And you can do that as a four-digit locator, like in my case would be EM36, or you can do it as a six-digit locator, which in my case would be EM36QG. And then there's a few other things you can tweak. Well, the other thing you need to put in, though, is a station power. Then you can tweak your uh, your data settings, you know, your serial port, your audio connection, stuff like that. And once those things are set, um, you basically have Whisper set up. The idea is you go to a frequency that is common for broadcasting on Whisper. And if I remember correctly, all of the bands under Whisper, there's a tab at the top in the window called Band. And it, if you click on it, you get a pull-down menu. And it has all of the amateur, you know, the amateur radio bands from 2 meters all the way down to 160, and it actually has the 600-meter band as well. Uh, someone in the chat room or someone on the roundtable can tell me if uh, we're actually allowed to transmit on 600 meters. I assume not. That must be a foreign broadcast thing. I go all the way down to 160, and that's as far as I go. Yeah, I only go down to 160 as well. But this has an option for, for getting on uh, 600 meters as well. To the question in the chat room by Moto Killjoy, who's asking if I'm really talking about 60 meters, the answer is no. There is a there is a section for 60 meters, and this actually says 600 meters. And the frequency that it defaults to for 600 meters is 502 kilohertz. That's way down there, way down in the VLF. Yeah, I think that's an experimental band, isn't it? I don't know anything about 600 meters, honestly. I'm not sure about um, Europe, but North America, I think uh, there are licenses, experimental licenses issued for the 600-meter band. Yeah, that's what I was remembering, too, and I'm trying to find a reference to that somewhere. All right, well, hopefully we'll get a little more information on 600 meters, but until then, I will continue to talk about what I was talking about, which is if you uh, select one of these bands, it will put you on to the WSPR frequency for that particular band. For example, if you select 30 meters... It will set your radio to 10.1387 megahertz, and will set the transmitter. There's an offset in transmission, and the offset frequency for transmit is 10.1402 for WSPR. And if you select, for example, 15 meters, you get 21.0946 for receive and 21.0961 for transmit. So then what you do is you've got your radio hooked up to this application, You've got your sound card settings all set up. You set to the default frequencies, and you'll get a waveform when everything is working right uh, in the upper part. And down at the bottom, if you're receiving any beacons from other whisper stations, you will see those beacons. You will see the call signs, the grid locators, and the transmission power from any of those stations. Now, what's interesting about this is this is basically used for propagation reporting for low-power transmissions for QRPers. So if uh, all you're seeing is, you know, the few stations that are coming up in your window, that's a good thing. It'll give you some idea of where your signal will be going if you happen to be transmitting on the band you're looking at. But there's another part to it, and that other part is a globalized map at another website. You can choose to set up your Whisper client so that it will update a map at a site called whispernet.org. That's W-S-P-R-N-E-T dot O-R-G. If you go there, it'll bring up a Drupal website, 
And up in the upper right-hand corner, there is a link to the map. If you click on the map, it will bring up a world map, and it will show you all WSPR nodes that are reporting on any frequency to the map. It uses Google Maps, so you can, like, zoom in, move around, click on nodes, etc., etc. And it shows you by uh, call sign and by linking uh, lines what nodes are able to hear what other nodes. And if you happen to be reporting your node, you can click on your node, and there will be a line from your node to every other node in the world that you are receiving the beacon from. So in a way, it's kind of like uh, APRS for propagation. And uh, it works really well. And, of course, if you're even if you're not pro- uh, broadcasting using a whisper node, you can go to this map and see the propagation reports. You, if there happens to be a node that's near your area, you can click on it and get uh, a good idea of where the propagation from your location on your particular frequency is going. And interestingly here... I am looking at the map, and I happen to see up at the top, up in the Winnipeg, Canada area, our own Kent, VE4KEH, has his whisper node up, and he is getting responses from quite a few, actually, remote nodes. Looks like you got pretty good propagation from your area. I think if you get in far enough, it'll say what frequency uh, you're actually looking at here, Kent, but uh, what are you Just doing? like? Take. Click on the call sign tag. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Are, are you like uh, 80 meters or? Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, that's 80 meters, and I'm running QRO right now, five watts. I could I could zoom in on this, but it won't help anyone who's listening. <laughs> It'll only help me because I'm looking. But anyway, uh, wsprnet.org. Uh, go there, click on map, and you'll see this. And if you look at VE4KEH's call sign there, you can click on it, and you can see what where his propagation is going. And, of course, you can zoom in on the map and get more detail and all that. That's basically what I know about WSPR. It looks like a great tool, and, of course, it is Linux-based for uh, the QRP uh on any band from 2 meters down to 160 and perhaps 600, which we may hear about here in a minute. But if there's anything else that you'd like to uh, fill in here, Kent, since you are actually a Whisper user, uh, we'll let you go now. Okay, well, I've only been trying it for the last um, two days or so, and um, it's definitely a, a QRP mode. Um, right now, as I mentioned a minute ago, I'm running about 5 watts on the 80-meter band, and 5 watts is actually considered by some to be um, to be QRO. If you go to the database menu entry on the main page, uh, you'll see a list of the most recent... 50 or so stations that were um, that were logged that is reported through the internet to the reporter and it's uh, about the fifth or sixth column over it actually shows the power that the uh, station operator reports and that power is in watts and if you look closely you'll see that um, most of the people are operating, oh, maybe 5 watts. Some are operating 10. Some are operating down to 100 milliwatts. You'll see sometimes actually the author of the uh, software, K1JT, is um, you'll see you'll see his station in here as a, both as a reporter and as a, a transmitting or beaconing station. I 
haven't tried much on 20 meters yet. Um, of course, I, I try not to operate unattended. Um, so it's uh, evenings for me, and uh, typically when I get home, I, I turn it on to 30 meters, and um, uh, later on in the evening over to 80 meters. Let me just go back to the main website to see if there's anything else. Okay, so uh, top right corner has uh, a few um, uh, entries there. Activity um, is just sort of a summary of which stations have been reporting by band, and I'm not sure what time period that is. Uh, map uh, Rust Discussed database again has uh, the last 50 or so reports that are reported over the Internet, and it has uh, a little bit more um, information on the particular reports. You'll also notice here the last two columns, the range and the azimuth, the range in kilometers. And uh, let's see, next is stats, and I'm not sure I can say much about that. And uh, there's a forum for WSPRnet, and uh, the last menu entry here on the main page is, of course, the downloads. And I'm not sure there's anything else that I can really say about this, Russ. I'll hand it back to you. Okay, well, I was looking at it while you were talking about the current activity link, and it says that uh, the time period is the last hour. All stations heard in the last hour, and of course you're on there. It shows 62 nodes heard for the 80-meter band, and it shows you as the uh, E4KEH, and I assume that's the transmit frequency it's showing, and it shows uh, 3.594045, so... That uh, and that's neat. Um, under the stats, there's not much there. Um, I, I took a quick look at that. It's basically just a uh, few charts that show uh, the number of uh, beacons spotted using WSPR. For those people who are uh, analytically or statistically minded, it might be a good thing to check out. Um, my question is: uh, this this is kind of interesting. But do you uh, so so you have, when you're at home and you want to do this kind of thing, you actually have a radio. Uh, dedicated to uh, beaconing uh, using WSPR? Yeah, I've got my uh, Elecraft K2 uh, connected. Um, I've got the data cable, or the CAT cable, rather, and then the uh, the two audio cables. Um, do you do uh, QRP, QSOing, or not? Um, yeah, although with this, the K2, I've got the 100-watt uh, amp, so I've got the option of going uh, low power as well. Uh, sorry, low power is in 100 watts, up to 100 watts. Okay. So uh, do you use that radio to transmit once you've found propagation that you're interested in, or do you actually have another radio that you use while you run the beacon? Well, I've got an FT817 as well nearby, um, but uh, it's on a, what's the best way to put it, a very limited antenna. So, you know, if I, if I do want to operate voice or something like that, I'd have to go back to the K2. <clears throat> this sounded like something that I would want to try. I don't do a lot of QRP. But it'd be interesting uh, if for no other reason than to see where, you know, it's a good use of uh, where, seeing where propagation is taking you at a given moment. And uh, one of the things that was neatest about it to me is how easy it is to set up. If you do any kind of digital mode communication, you already have what you need to do this. The software is uh, very readable, easy to download, and once you start it up, it's an extremely intuitive interface. Uh, one of the easiest things I've ever seen as far as getting up and running. So uh, Joe K1JT has got a nice piece of software here. It's not a lot of flash, not a lot of bells and whistles or anything like that, but it does what it's supposed to do. And uh, if you use it in combination with the WSPRnet.org website, uh, you have a very handy tool for tracking propagation. 
I guess we can let anyone else chime in who's interested in talking about this, and if we have dug up some information on the uh, experimental 600-meter band, I'd like to hear about that as well. Let me run over the 600-meter thing real fast so we can get it out of the way. Uh, 600 meters is apparently a band abandoned by the Maritime Service sometime back, and according to the ARRL, you know how they like to word things, the amateurs decided to take it. Well, we didn't exactly take it. Apparently, somebody lobbied to get experimental licenses issued. Licenses issued on it. W1AW holds an experimental license and have multiple stations operating under that license. It is definitely a low-power QRP kind of thing. So uh, that's where we stand on 600 meters right now. You know, they keep dropping all the good stuff down low, and we, we keep picking up on it. Uh, you said something about limited antenna. You know, at uh, at 600 meters, or, well, I wouldn't say 600 meters, uh, but just about anything below 10 or 20 meters, uh, antennas are pretty limited anyway because you can't really build them as big as they need to be. What kind of antenna are you using over there, Kent? Well, for the K2, I'm using um, an inverted V. It's up at about, uh, well, the apex is up at about 30 feet, and the length is cut for um, uh, about 30 meters. Um, the limited antenna that I have for the uh, the 817, it's uh, it's in the attic, and it was the design I got oh decades ago. It was from um, 73 magazine, and I think it was called the DX Wave Catcher or something like that. And it's just a a square shaped wire antenna. Well, that's pretty interesting. You know, Wayne, old Wayne Green, he had all kinds of really interesting stuff in 73 way back then. Uh, 817. I've got its big brother, the 897, and I eventually am going to give Whisper a shot on it. Uh, it's, uh, K1JT that, uh, writes Whisper software. I have played with his meteor scatter, uh, software and some other stuff. So, uh, it's normally pretty easy to work with. So you're, you're able to go online and, and see who's hearing you and, uh, see who you're hearing from your, from your machine and that kind of stuff. I mean, what is a standard QSO on Whisper? I mean, uh, I'm sure y'all don't spend a whole lot of time sending uh, 30, 30 or 40K text files full of, uh, well, we we call, used to call them brag tapes down on Ready. It's just a beacon mode. That's all it is. Uh, that's kind of what I figured it was. I, I would find that pretty interesting myself. Russ seems to be fairly enthusiastic about it. Um, Bill, have you ever tried Whisper? No, I haven't. I have the software here. Um, it was one of the things on my ever-growing things-to-do list. But then I had, uh, as you remember, a couple weeks ago, some issues here with sound cards and digital interfaces. Everything kind of went up in smoke at once here. So I've been busy rebuilding my station for digital modes and that's certainly one of the things i'd like to play with well it sounds like a pretty interesting mode and uh uh you folks that are listening to us y'all probably need to uh try and give it a give it a check it out um i was saying earlier that i stopped too soon because i was actually researching this this morning so i could talk about it tonight not knowing that everybody else was going to want to talk about it i stopped I did install Whisper, and yes, it does install in the root directory. So you either going you're going to have to do something with it somehow or another. You really you ought to be able to make it go. 
I was thinking that the talk on WSPR might lead into a talk of QRP, but I'm not sure that's going to happen because uh, I personally am not a QRPer. I know that um, Paul is or has recently acquired a QRP kit and was thinking about putting it together and getting on the air with it at some point. Is that not correct, Paul? Well, I have it built, um, <clears throat> but I'm still still haven't gotten it on the air. Um, I'm working on getting it on the air, though. Uh, which QRP kit do you have? It's a Pixie Two. Okay, and what uh, what band and power and all that stuff is it for? It's crystal controlled, um, and it'll run off of a nine volt battery. It's pretty low power. Um, do you know what? Do you have a crystal for it? I mean, do you know what you plan to use it for? Um, I don't know. I'll probably wait till I get my general and use it on forty. Uh, I assume it's uh, probably uh, five water less, probably one water less. Actually, I don't know anything about the Pixie. Oh, actually, here, I just found a website on it that says power output is uh, 0.2 to 0.3 watts, basically. So that's some serious QRP there. I know some some folks or some ham radio operators are seriously gung-ho on the QRP thing, and uh, it sounds like, Kent, you do a little bit with it, but you're not uh, not one of those guys who tries to get 7,000 watts per or 7,000 miles per watt out of your equipment. I think Kent dozed off on us. Something I did want to ask, Kent, uh... Uh, you said earlier you're using uh, uh, Whisper 2.0. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, uh, most of the places I was running up on uh, earlier today were uh, describing how much of a nightmare it was to get Whisper running under Linux uh, because they had to go find stuff and uh, uh, point things in the right direction, all this other stuff and everything else. Have have uh, majority of those problems been solved in 2.0? I had absolutely no difficulty installing from the Deb using GDebby. Um, the most difficulty I had was finding where it was installed. Like I said earlier today, I went ahead and installed it. I don't have a radio hooked up to this computer, but it uh, seemed like it installed uh, uh, pretty easily, went in like it was supposed to, just wasn't in the right spot. But when I fired it up, it seemed to fire up okay without any gripes or complaints. And the machine I, I downloaded it to is running Ubuntu 9.04. It just chugged right on along. So uh, are there a lot of folks out there? I mean, we can we can look at the websites, of course, here and while we're talking on the show and see all the stations that are on the, on the propagation map. But uh, sometimes... Word uh, sometimes uh, just talking about it works a whole lot better, especially when we're doing an audio program, which uh, this will be along with the video. So, uh, are there a lot of folks out there using this? Is this something that's gaining popularity? Is it or is it uh, one of those things that's going to be a slow burn, like some of the stuff I was uh, talking about earlier on another show? I'm not sure how how long it's been around. Probably a year or two. So I think in that regard it will probably have a similar lifetime as as many digital modes. Um, now, having said that, I think being married to a computer, it would it would probably be, oh gosh, this is a hard one. Like I said, I've only I've only been doing this for the last uh, two or three days, so um, I, I'm really not too sure how long uh, how how long it's been going, how well it's been doing. I listened to another podcast. It's called Solder Smoke, and I've been hearing about it there quite a bit. So uh, I think in that regard, 
it does have a little bit of staying power because I've been hearing about it for, well, like I said, the last two years. Well, you know, solder smoke's one of the ones we're going to believe anyway. You know, uh, he's been around uh, quite a bit longer than we were. Uh, we have been. In fact, uh, solder smoke's been around longer than the other show I do also. And uh, uh, I've listened to his shows. Uh, it, every time I listen to it, it seems like he's working on some building project, which uh, I can't focus on long enough to, to listen to the whole show. But, um, I mean, if if they're they're talking about it over there, uh, chances are it's, it's, it's on the move. And, you know, you're a good sport here, Kent. I, I really, um, I, please don't think I'm a, I'm intentionally trying to put you on the spot. I just figure, uh, at least you're, you're working with it. You're messing with it. Uh, if it were something that I was doing, I would expect, I would think people would ask me, even though I, I don't know. In fact, this is why we have Linux in the ham shack because Richard and Russ rarely know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's any indication on the popularity of or on the staying power of uh, WSPR, the spot count is uh, 16 million total spots. So, um, and again, I'm not uh, sure over what time period that is. Well, there you go. So, Bill, you got anything else to say about uh, Whisper? No, sir. Uh, as I said, it's something I'd like to play with if uh, I can get things to talk and play nice here uh, in the shack for a change. Uh, it's one of the things I'd like to do. It sure sounds like fun. Well, there you go. I mean, uh, there's a lot of this stuff out there we can do. I remember, uh, I remember what was it, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we were lucky if we had a Commodore 64 in the shack so we could run ready. And things have really come along. And, uh, it's like I said, some of this guy's other software, I look forward to using this when I'm able to get my, 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 uh, HF station, everything squared back away on the other side of the room. Well, you know, now we've, we've talked all this time. Russ is starting to get that sad look on his face and it's time for him to say something. Oh, look, he's rolling his eyes at me. Go ahead, Russ. <laughs> Might be time to. Move this show on a little bit, maybe play a little music and come back with part three of episode number 20. What the hell episode is this anyway? 28. Russ, play some music, please. All right, will do. Hang on, folks. We'll be back. You hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. Remember the time before every day was a news of a holy war. When the people wasn't afraid to tell you what they want. Everybody in the city always had a home. When a bomb wasn't going off every day. When the rain didn't have to mean a hurricane. When the government wasn't listening to your calls. When the border didn't have to mean a concrete wall. And you hear the sound. A little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound. A little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound. A little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound. A little bit of rhythm make the world go round. I'm a human being, yo. I'm a human being, yo. I'm a human 
with an amplifier I set on fire Oh, I'm that rebel I tried to warn ya And you hear the sound A little bit of rhythm make the world go round And you hear the sound A little bit of rhythm make the world go round And you hear the sound A little bit of rhythm make the world go round And you hear the sound A little bit of rhythm make the world go round Never walk, pussy foot in it, religion, division, pushing them first world opinion. Scar walk, oh lot, to them neck up in it. Who keeps four of the fallen soldiers? Can I see the hands of my real believers? 200 million talking about some lips on dicks to fix the politics, no take your dick. And there came a time, we all saw the sign. It's been a long time coming, but now you're mine. I'm a fear destroyer. And to those who torture, oh, not never. I'm coming for you. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. And you hear the sound, a little bit of rhythm make the world go round. I'm a human being, yo. 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 if there were any more questions kb3cda brought up the fact that he has a telnet bbs online and would like y'all to come take a look at it uh i believe it's html website so y'all go check it out that would be www.phantombbs.net www.phantombbs.net y'all go by and check it out a couple of weeks ago I think it was now. There was an article in or on the Gizmodo page that talked about Microsoft and patents and the patent of the sudo command. You kind of have to take this patent thing with a grain of salt because there are so many people who hate patents, and I have to tell you that I'm one of them. I, I definitely agree that patents are, and we're talking about software patents here, software patents are an evil thing. They should be done away with. No one should be able to copyright and patent the things that are being patented particularly in situations like this but i have to i have to say that i think that gizmodo jumped the gun a little bit on this one i agree that anytime microsoft or google the up-and-coming evil empire tends to do things like this where they get patents on technologies that looks like it's infringing on things that are used 
in the community at large, everyone gets a burr in their saddle about it and tend to go absolutely nuts about things. But if you look a little deeper, I think the the biggest problem with this patent is its its own vagueness. It's probably going to shoot itself in the foot. It's probably going to be um, relative to nothing, because I think the technology had to do with the user access control, the UAC and Windows, but it's worded so vaguely that a lot of people took it to mean that any technology that elevates privileges is going to be encompassed by this rule. It turns out that if you read some articles in Ars Technica and Information Week, they seem to have a better grasp of the situation, and they've pretty much uh, convinced me that we don't have to worry about sudo being usurped by Microsoft, uh, if only because the language of the patent is so incredibly stupid that it's pretty much unenforceable. And I just wanted to uh, bring that up because, like Douglas Adams says, don't panic. You know, keep your towel with you. Don't get all up in arms. I don't think this is one we have to worry about. We should definitely try and strike down patents wherever possible, but don't worry about sudo. Sudo will be fine. And I'm going to have links to all of these articles, the Gizmodo article, the Ars Technica one, the Information Week. All this stuff is going to be in the show notes, so you can uh, take this information, digest it, and make your own decisions. You don't have to listen to me. I think it, it's worth taking a look at, and all of the articles cite the patent, so you're, you can actually read the language of the patent yourself. So if you're interested in this kind of thing and you want to stay abreast of legal issues in the software world, particularly where open source is concerned, it kind of affects all of us because if something happens where, you know, somebody patents a bunch of what makes Linux Linux, we could be in a deep doo-doo. Even though I hate Microsoft, not as much as some people, but I'm not particularly worried about this one. I want everyone out there to kind of take a deep breath and relax and not be worried about it as well, like Richard is doing, being very zen. That's all I have to say about Microsoft and patents for today. I'm sure it'll come up again. And actually, tell you the truth, they can have sudo. Bring back su. Well, I get tired of having to type password over and over and over and over and over. Here's a good uh, little thirty-second tip: if you don't want to type your password over and over and over and over again when you use sudo, you know how everybody uses sudo, right? They type sudo, the command, whatever options, blah 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 blah. If your sudoers file says that you have to specify your password. Every time you do this, then, of course, you have to specify your password. Usually it will cache it, so you only have to do it once per session, and then you're good to go. Well, you can do a couple of things. The first is do a sudo on the command vi sudo. And once you've done that, go into the Etsy sudoers command, or the Etsy sudoers file, which is what vi sudo does, and uncomment the line that says, if you're in the sudo group, you don't have to specify your password. So edit that file, do that, and then make sure you're in the sudo group. You know, under the sudo group, put your username in the Etsy group file. Or you can use the add group command. And then once you've done that, then when you type sudo in your commands, whenever you do them, you don't have to type in your password. It, it just assumes that you're who you're supposed to be because you're in the sudo group. However... If you don't want to do, if you don't want to go through all of that, here's another way you can do it. You can either go in and edit the sudoers file. You can go ahead and edit vsudo and do all that if you want to, because then you never have to type a password. But if you want to type it just once and then not have to deal with it again, 
just type sudo and then the command bash space dash. And if you do that, that will give you a root shell. It runs the shell bash as root. So then you're in a root shell, and then you can do everything as root. You don't have to type sudo anymore. I do that all the time. I, you know, I log into a server as myself, type sudo bash dash, uh, then I'm root, even if I don't know the root password. That's one way to get around that if you're interested in doing that and not having to deal with a password every time. Well, I'm just not smart enough to leave a terminal window open every time I get finished using it. I shit it. Uh, but that's okay. Then, then you need yeah. to learn about screen. Huh? Then you need to learn about screen. Well, I have so many things to learn around here. <laughs> good. We have a topic for next time. Next time we will talk about screen. There's a good idea. It looks like that debate we had a couple of episodes in the chat room is starting to fire up again. The one where everyone was debating cell phones and emergency communications. Are you uh, jumping in on the middle of that? When Hurricane Katrina came through Louisiana, we started SaturnNet almost 24 hours before it came on shore. When Hurricane Katrina came on shore, I'm sure all of you have heard about what happened in New Orleans. What a lot of people probably didn't hear about was the fact that once it came on shore in New Orleans, it hooked back to the northeast and Mississippi picked up a big chunk of the damage plus uh, north or eastern and northeastern Louisiana. And it left power lines down, phone service out. Uh, even though the phone service was up in some areas, there were people that were, you couldn't call across the street on a cell phone. But there were a handful of people that were stuck in an attic in New Orleans that were able to call the Fort Worth Police Department in which case it was relayed back over the Saturn net to the uh, Coast Guard and the uh, officials that were able to get into the area fairly quickly to uh, go get them out. Mississippi was the same way. And the reason I know about some of this is because uh, Racy's officer here in, over here in the city of Mesquite works for Verizon, and he was on the team that took the uh, the mobile cell, cell stations down to Louisiana to get cell phone service back going so that the uh, rescue workers were able to communicate. We did have amateur radio operators down in there. We had uh, a couple of folks from Saturn and the Texas Baptist men fly in uh, by way of Angel Flight. But uh, the whole point of this whole story, Paul, since you're the newest among us, is the fact that cell phones are absolutely wonderful and lovely. But if the cell sites are down, they're good for holding down a piece of paper. Shorter and quicker story is uh, they chopped through a communications trunk up here in Plano, Texas, just north of where I am last year sometime. They were digging with a backhoe, cut through the communications trunk, killed all the phones in Plano or in that part of Plano, which is a highly, uh, it's heavy in uh, businesses that need phone communication and so immediately everybody went outside with their cell phone to start trying to make phone calls and since most cell phone what do you tell me since most cell phone sites are designed to carry about 20 percent traffic load uh 100 of the time when they hit 100 percent on the traffic load everything shut down nobody was making any phone calls anyway and amateur radio operators had to be called in with their VHF rigs so that they could uh, 
uh, dispatch fire and police as needed. And there were guys standing every street corner, two blocks apart in a grid, simply so if somebody needed help, they could come uh, to them and get them to call the police for them. And Ted brought up something else. There's uh, all kinds of other public service things. Uh, he's talking about a cross-state bike ride that uh, he was involved in, and the only thing they were able to use uh, for communications was amateur radio. It was the only thing that was going to work for him. So, Paul, consider yourself Elmered tonight. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, we, we've talked about Whisper. We've uh, had uh, had some interaction uh, with a little bit of a round table. It's nice to get some of the listeners in here from time to time. I want to thank Kent, V4KEH, for coming in tonight. Uh, uh, thank you for coming by, Kent. My pleasure. And we got Bill in here. Bill's on the payroll, so I don't even have to be nice to him, but I will. Uh, Bill, KA9WKA, thank you for swinging by this evening, sir. No problem. Always a pleasure. And last but not least, Paul. Paul from over at Teen Radio Journey. Y'all go over and check out, uh, check out Paul's, uh, podcast. Paul, give him the URL before you go. Yeah, you can just visit www.teenradiojourney.com. And there you have it. Thank you for coming by this evening, Paul, and I uh, hope to do it again real soon. Thanks for having me. All righty, and with that, I think we've pretty much done as much damage as we can do this time around. Uh, like I said, y'all come visit us in the new year. We're, we're, we're going to try our best to make just as good a show as we possibly can for y'all in the coming year. So uh, if you just might be interested in getting in touch with me, my name is Richard, KB5JBV, and you can contact me at KB5JBV at BlackSparrowMedia.com. KB5JBV at BlackSparrowMedia.com. Or you can check me out on one of the hundreds of social ne- networks that I'm available on. Uh, just look for KB5JBV. Or you can go on over to the Black Sparrow Media website, check out the forums over there, and uh, uh, jump in there and at the very least say hello or i can hand it off to russ and he can talk some more i could do that if i was unmuted which i now am if you want to contact me you can send me an email at k5tux at blacksparrowmedia.com you can find me on all those social networks like twitter and identica and myspace and facebook and yada 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 using jr woodman or you can use K5TUX at 73s.org. If you want to leave a comment, go to the website. Post your comment there. You can post your comments on the forums over at blacksparrowmedia.com. Our website is at blacksparrowmedia.com stroke LHS or lhsinfo.org, whichever one you happen to like typing better. You can leave us a voice comment or leave us a voice question. Phone number is 888-455-0305, and that's a toll-free number, 888-455-0305. So go on over there, leave us a message, post a comment in the forums, just talk to us. And also make sure you tell everybody or at least five of your closest friends about the podcast. We'd like to get as much exposure as we possibly can, and word of mouth is a great way to do that. This is coming out after Christmas, so we hope everybody had a good Christmas, and we hope everybody has a good upcoming new year, 
And if you happen to have a couple of bucks left over, why don't you drop a donation into the LHS donation can? All the funds right now are going to send LHS to Dayton Hamvention in May of 2010, which is the National Ham Radio Convention up in Dayton, Ohio. So if you have a couple of dollars you can contribute to that effort, uh, please go to the website and send it on over to us. We would really, really appreciate it. And we really appreciate everyone who's donated up till now. So with that, I think that's all I have to say, and we'll send it back to Richard to wrap it up in 30 seconds or less, and we'll be back in episode 29 in a couple of weeks. There you go, in 30 seconds or less. Oh, my God, there's so much to say, so much to do, so much to think about. Make sure you tell at least five friends, and in my case, that wouldn't work because I have at least that many personalities. But tell at least five friends about Linux and Ham Shack, and y'all come by and see us next time. I am Richard in the bunker in Balt Springs, Texas. And I am Russ up in the Pine Forest in north central Arkansas. We'll catch you in 2010. Bye, y'all. Bye.